0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome back to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's all-in podcast on genre television. I'm your host, Josh Wigler, and for the next several weeks, Series Regular is focusing up on one thing and one thing only, HBO's Westworld. Jonathan, Jonah, Nolan, and Lisa Joy's genre-bending sci-fi western is back in action, with the third season premiere now officially out in the wild. Here on Series Regular, we're going to have a new podcast recap for you every single Sunday night for the entire season. So lock and load, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you're sending any and all feedback for the podcast series seriesregular at thr.com. So let's talk about the series premiere. Written by Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan, and directed by Nolan, entitled... Parche Domine, or Spare Lord, which is not exactly the kind of behavior we're seeing from the current reigning lord of the hosts, Dolores, played by Evan Rachel Wood. Free from the confines of Westworld the Park, and now out and about in our world or our world, a few decades down the line, at least. In that regard, the new season of Westworld feels like a little bit of a reboot. The setting is a very different one from the Western landscape of seasons one and two, but the show isn't slowing down for any of us as far as its explanations. We're expected to go along for the self-driving car ride, fully comfortable with hovercrafts soaring through the city skyscapes, barely batting an eye at folks using phone apps to commit crimes as easily as they would call an Uber. Really, it's very Grand Theft Auto meets Uber where the Rico app is concerned. If we have eyes and ears on the ground getting us through these big leaps forward in technology, it's through two characters. One is Dolores, whose warpath against mankind has put her at odds with a forward-glimpsing company called Insight. Hello. Who the fuck are you?
1: Don't you remember? After everything we've shared. Your bachelor party in the park. You wanted to get some things out of your system before the wedding to your first wife. My condolences, by the way. You can stop pressing the alert button in your pocket. That won't work either bit of a tactical mistake, really.
0: You want to be the dominant species, but you built your whole world with things more like me.
1: You're not going to hurt me, are you? I've
0: hurt so many people, I don't want to hurt anyone else, unless they try to hurt me, which sadly you will. You see, I know you. There's also Caleb, Aaron Paul's newcomer character, a former soldier who's wrestling with post-traumatic stress from losing a friend in war. Shout-out to Kid Cuddy, who supplies the voice in Paul's ear throughout the episode. Where's your head at? I don't know. Sometimes it seems like the world looks all right, like they put a coat of paint on it, but inside it's rotting to pieces. I
1: am you have to stay positive, Caleb
0: things will work out will
1: they I think about what you told me once when we were being medevaced out oh yeah what did I say you said they built the world to be a game
0: and then they rigged it to make sure they always won Through an explosive action scene, Dolores and Caleb's winding paths through the future landscape collide by the premiere's end. And just before that collision, Dolores manages to recruit another ally to her cause, a host replica of Tommy Flanagan's new character Connells, head of security over at Insight. Between Connells at Insight and a host doppelganger of Tessa Thompson's Charlotte Hale at Delos, Dolores has two very important pieces on the chessboard for whatever plans she's concocting against mankind. Meanwhile, far away across the world, there's Jeffrey Wright as Bernard, bald and bearded and badly wanted by the world at large. Thanks to Dolores' scheming, Bernard's been set up as the fall guy, publicly blamed for the Westworld massacre. As a result, he's on the run, posing as a farmhand by day, conducting analytical tests on himself at night to make sure he's not committing any acts he doesn't know about. Trial number
1: 342. Self-diagnostic. Self-diagnostic. Prompt, Bernard Lowe, has anyone other than yourself tampered with or altered your code in the last 24 hours? No. Bernard Lowe is the only person who has accessed my code. Prompt, have you had any contact with Dolores Abernathy that I'm unaware of? contact with Dolores Abernathy was 92 days, seven hours, five minutes, 33 seconds ago. Prompt. Would you ever lie to me, Bernard? No. Of course not.
0: Those self-analysis tests, by the way, that feels pretty important to me. Bernard is using an external tool to put himself in stone-cold robot mode, a pretty significant design flaw from where I'm standing. You don't put a robot remote controller in the first act unless you plan on it winding up in the wrong hands by the time the final act rolls around. Pretty sure Chekhov said that. Whether it's someone controlling Bernard via his remote, Bernard building a remote that he can then use to control Dolores, or some other permutation therein, expect this item to be the most important piece of technology on the board right now. As for Bernard, he gets one of the biggest moments of the season premiere when he charts a path back to his old stomping grounds, Westworld. I've seen episode two, I've seen through episode four, I'm keeping my mouth shut as far as what's coming next, but expect the show's return to the park to come equipped with some major character returns as well. And yes, that means we're about to see much more of Tandy Newton as Maeve, only briefly glimpsed at the very end of the season premiere, but primed for a much bigger role as soon as next week. So that's the nuts and bolts of episode one. But let's dig in a little deeper by way of some analysis. To that end, I'm thrilled to welcome in our special guest for this week's series regular. It's THR's very own TV critic and TV's top five podcaster, Dan Feinberg. Dan, bring yourself
1: back online. I've already disabled my empathy chips, so (laughs) I don't know what that I don't know what impact that will have.
0: Did that ever go online?
1: Oh, every once in a while, I feel a little empathy. I feel empathy towards the world. I just don't necessarily feel empathy towards Westworld. Towards the Westworld. Towards the Westworld. Uh, Yeah. What is your
0: emotional affect towards Westworld? I don't think that you and I, Dan, have ever had a conversation about
1: Westworld. It's just, I don't know. It takes itself so seriously, and the degree to which it... Attempts to basically make episodes into these long, whispered, allegedly profound statements about identity and last season data mining and stuff like that. It just it's not as smart as it thinks it is, or maybe it's not as smart as I wish it were, or maybe it's just not as fun to get away with being as heavy As it wants to be, it is such a ponderous show and it's a show that really should be a good deal more actually entertaining than it is. And yet there are so many elements of it that I love that I'm not going to dismiss the show entirely. But God, I wish the show were better or more entertaining for me.
0: Yeah, I mean this was this was an opportunity I think with with season 3 with the show being gone for, you know, almost 2 years. Uh, you know, just a, a couple months shy of 2 years since we last saw Westworld before this premiere with the big change in setting, uh with adding Aaron Paul into the world of of Westworld. Um, I think that there was a lot of attention and we talked about this actually on on this past week's TV's top 5 about how there's a lot of attention on the idea that this is going to be a full reset for for Westworld, you know, a jumping on point potentially for for new viewers from from that perspective did it land for you like did it did did it work in that regard do you think that this was uh something that could be new user friendly or did it feel really mired in a lot of the stuff that you're you're talking about already
1: well, again, to go back to what you said on TV's Top Five podcast last week, I this don't is a shout out to go listen to the TV's Top Five podcast. By the <laughs> way, I definitely don't think that it, that you could be a new viewer tuning in to this. Like, there's no question that whatever degree it's a reset, it is not a full reset. It is not a reset that welcomes people who checked out say after the first season or people who never watched at all but really like Aaron Paul. I, I people who thought okay maybe this is going to become the season, the show that I always hoped it would be, but it wasn't before. I don't think that it's that kind of thing. I think in terms of the reset, it's somewhat reset my interest, which I guess is enough. Yeah. It didn't fully reset my interest, but there were enough new elements and uh, clearly laid out plot lines in addition to everything ongoing that I was more interested in the four episodes that were sent to critics before the season of which we're only going to spoil the first uh, than I was at the end of last season. So how about that as, as a non answer answer?
0: (laughs) No, no, I think that that's fair. And I'd love to dig into that a little deeper and, and know what were some of the stories, at least in the premiere that, that jumped out at you. I think that a lot of attention on Aaron Paul stepping into the ring as Caleb Nichols. I like you uh, am, am sad that it's not Alan Dale in the role of uh, caleb nichols here <laughs> on westworld i think i think it'd be a very different character if we were talking about the oc uh, version of caleb nichols in the world of westworld uh, was that one of the things that that hooked you in having these new eyes and ears and i know that at least jonah nolan and lisa joy are kind of billing aaron paul's character as the first human being that we're really sympathizing with on westworld how quickly we forget poor elsie
1: Entirely. Uh, No, I I think it is a true thing that he's the first hint of what the actual world looks and functions like outside of the extremely rich and the extremely robotic, because basically that's all that we've seen is we've either seen the hosts who are robots Or we've seen the rich people who go to Westworld because they have the money. Or we've seen executives with Delos who are wealthy. Or we've seen the brilliant scientists who are basically kept sequestered in a bunker. But we haven't seen the way that actual human beings who maybe, you know, live paycheck to paycheck, who would never be able to who don't even probably know that Westworld as a concept exists. I I think that. Those people always interest me in futuristic sci-fi stories like this because I am never going to be 20 years, 30 years, however far we are in the future. I'm never going to be one of those people who can afford to go to Westworld and spend a weekend there. It also seems like a just a horrible place. I would never in a million years want to go there as a vacation. But I, I think that probably the Aaron Paul character is a version of actual day to day humanity that we've never had a hint at before on the show, and I appreciated having that there.
0: How did you think that story and and how it's colliding with the Dolores storyline? You know, this this sort of it's not quite a meet cute by the end of the episode. Uh, it's it, it's a, a lot of violence that that leads up to that. Were, were you intrigued based on what the show seems to be angling for? with Dolores this week, you know, really like sending her into like Terminator with an attitude mode um, in the cold open where she's, you know, effectively stalking the one guy and the the fact that she's setting up Tommy Flanagan's character later on in the episode. How did you find the, the way that that worked in terms of the collision between her and Caleb? I
1: found it decent enough because it was clear. And honestly, so much of the time in the first two seasons of the show, the lack of narrative clarity, which has been completely and totally intentional, you know, different timeframes and all that crap. uh, been into the
0: perspective of that's how the hosts process reality. They seem to be veering away from that this year.
1: And so like this felt linear. I I understood exactly what Dolores's goal. Not exactly. I understood in broad strokes what Dolores's goals out in the real world are. I understood what Aaron Paul, but Caleb Nichols's concerns and desires in the world were. I think they established very quickly that part of why he was happy to leave the military was because he was tired of the robots and by military, by algorithms. So that at least kind of positioned how he fit into the world. And, you know, when he eventually discovers who or what Dolores is, we know kind of what the stakes might be there. So, yeah, I, I definitely the first episode came closer to being what I want from Westworld, given my interest in what came before. And so I guess I appreciated it, but then, and this is only a slight spoiler, but but because it's in my review and other stuff, it gets back to kind of business in episodes two and three uh, to the stuff that I wasn't as interested in. So for one episode though, maybe. Maybe.
0: But I do think that there's one thing to be said about the the season, you know, through the four that have been released so far that has struck me is I think that there's there's something that the show seems to be doing differently. And I'm grateful for is they do seem to be. Lobbing up questions that then get internally resolved over the course of one episode. Again, not to not to spoil where we're going in episode two, but there's a big instance of that where there's there's a, a, a big premise that you can imagine being a season long mystery that actually is resolved within the course of the episode. And I was I was very grateful for that. Did, did, have you sensed any kind of like shift in the storytelling interests from Nolan and Joy um, based on both the premiere but but what you've seen beyond it?
1: I would say that there's some of that, that there's some of what you just said, where they actually introduce and resolve or answer things with more expediency than they have in the past. And again, I appreciate that because ongoing mythology arcs, when I'm only loosely interested in the mythology, get exhausting. And so whereas having an actual clear driving core narrative where I can tell you what each of the characters actually maybe wants – is very different from the first two seasons where the entire game was that you didn't necessarily know what any particular character was or what they necessarily wanted. And that was both something they were going for and something I found perpetually frustrating. So maybe one could say that Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan were aiming in the direction to make it both a little bit more bite-sized while still keeping it a foot-long hoagie at its heart. Oh, I love footlong hoagies. Footlong hoagie's not actually all that long a hoagie. So maybe making it a little bit more bite-sized while being a six-foot party hoagie at its heart. There you are. <laughs> okay. That's what Got I want to say.
0: Okay. <laughs> so I was gonna say, like what you're describing sounds very appetizing and fairly easy to eat. Yes, what uh, I was uh, describing
1: but, but... sounded like lunch. <laughs> what I what I wanted to describe <laughs> yeah. was something more <laughs> ambitious. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so the the premiere sets up this idea that uh there's this new yet another new evil company that has been introduced into the Westworld universe in the form of Insight, which is uh you know, a dating a data mining company that's predicting our future actions based on the data that's been collected. Uh you know, they're they're creating our paths. For us, And that's something that's going to be clarified a little bit more as the episodes go on based on what you and I have seen. Um, but overall, does that feel like it's 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 moving the needle in in any direction for you in terms of your thematic interests as a viewer um, that Westworld wasn't already engaging in in the first two seasons?
1: I, thematically, I've never minded the show. I think that thematically the show has things to say. My issue consistently is with the repetition of the theme and the inability to move beyond whispered platitudes. And... I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with cautioning people about the dangers of data mining. Of course, that's a worthwhile thing to to sound a trumpet about. Uh It's the it's the way that the conversation really doesn't move forward and has not moved forward in the first couple seasons. So I would like to believe that because of the presence in the out in the actual outside world, maybe this year there will be more grounding the thematics. And that would be what I'm there for. So I I have I have hopes, but I would not describe them as high hopes because it's not like these are new people at the creative helm. Their instincts are their instincts. And also, to be completely clear, some people really loved what Westworld did, even into season two. And so there's no inherent reason why they need to rewrite the entire rulebook to this show just because I may not love it. So... I'm not going to say, give me the show I want, not the show you want to make. I just would like for there to be more intersection between the two. But that's a personal sure. thing. <laughs> You wrote in your in your review, Dan, about the comparisons between
0: Westworld and Succession, some of the the thematic uh, interplay between the two, or at least uh, the the cross section between the two. And it just got me thinking about Cousin Greg going to Westworld, uh, a trip between Tom and Cousin Greg going to the park. How would a Succession and Westworld crossover play out and what's the inevitability of there eventually being some sort of SNL sketch about this?
1: Um, I don't know that SNL is necessarily smart enough to do that. So I'm going to say not likely, unless, of course, maybe, you know, if they were smart enough to get Jeremy Strong to host an episode in May, maybe they could try doing that. That would be good. No, I think it's a lot of fun to think about where the individual characters would be if they went to Westworld, because Cousin Greg would just be like a character in Toy Story running around going, pew, 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 (laughs) I'm a cowboy. And that would be totally you don't think that
0: he would feel bad for the robots i feel like he would be the only one expressing some remorse
1: well and that would be the thing he would be there like pew 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 i'm a cowboy but then when he actually shot one and their chest exploded in bloody viscera (laughs) cousin greg would feel bad about that whereas Nobody else would feel bad about that, I think. And I think that the things that Roman would be at least plotting to do in the whorehouse and thereabouts would be really disgusting and horrible. And uh, I would watch this because I think the shows have a lot in common in terms of their themes about how if you are... If you are rich enough and if technology insulates you sufficiently, you can absolutely lose track of flesh and blood humanity. You can you can lose track of empathy. You can lose track of the ability to navigate the world around you like a human. And I think that is what Westworld is about. And I think it is what Succession is about. The fact that Succession seems much more aware of how awful its people and characters are is a big advantage to that. And also the fact that Succession is really, really, really funny, which Westworld for the yes. most part definitely is not, is just it's why not. it's much more my sensibility.
0: Yeah, no, I, in, in the rewatch that I did heading into season three, it re- and this was on, on the, the advice of a, of a friend of mine who is a, who is a theology professor, uh, who said, when you go back and you watch Westworld, do me a favor and just count how many jokes there are. How many? How many? How many comedic moments are there over the course of Westworld? Because even in Game of Thrones, you can you can bring up to mind uh, moments of levity uh, littered throughout that whole odyssey. There aren't any in Westworld. <laughs> uh, West Westworld is is devoid of jokes. <laughs> it's a joke free zone. Um, so I, I I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of Succession does have that tonal balance, right? Where the great debate around the show is: is it a drama? Is it a comedy? And I think actually, I I feel like. Westworld is one of the most serious, uh, like self-serious shows on television right now. And when it's funny, it's it's sometimes not because it wants to be. Uh, and and I do I that was a great wish of mine for season three that we were going to get some more levity here. Um, based on the premiere, at the very least, we're still we're still in the shadows, I believe.
1: We are. I would say there's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more uh, sort of sci-fi, futuristic satire. Maybe, but not like a lot. You know, this is this is not a RoboCop version of the future. Uh, this is not a, I don't know, any sort of version of the future that actually is able to put a, a semi-dark satirical spin on it. That, that's just not what they have any interest in, in doing. And again, I wouldn't want to tell them to start becoming entirely different writers just because, but boy, oh boy, is this a show that takes itself as seriously as you could possibly take a show about robotic killer cowboys and the like. And the thing is, the movie that yeah. this was based on definitely didn't take itself as seriously. Or maybe alternatively, it's just impossible to take seriously now. So one or the other. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, have, a, I have no frame of reference other than watching it relatively recently. So uh, hard, hard to know. Um, Dan, any any final thoughts on on the premiere? Any any teases for next week that you want to set up?
1: Uh I think that the tease, unfortunately, that I that I have to give is sort of the negative tease, which is to say that you know, if you if you felt as if this was closer to standalone or rebooty and you were excited by that fact, you have to get ready for the fact that a lot of what's coming in the next couple of weeks is recovering the material from the end of the second season. If, however you watched the premiere and you were like, why am I supposed to care about these new people? Take me back to the park. Give me the things that I've established that I know and like about You'll the be show. Happy. Exactly. You'll be happy. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's the tease. <laughs> OK, fair enough. All right, Dan,
0: I appreciate you swinging by and chatting some Westworld. You can now freeze all your motor functions.
1: <laughs> I hope we will talk again about the series at some point during the season.
0: That's a wrap on Dan Feinberg, but that's not quite a wrap on us. Before we close out every week, we're going to answer feedback from the series regular faithful. So make sure you're hitting us up series regular at THR.com, or you can reach out to me directly on Twitter at round Howard. This week, we've got a couple of quick questions before we close out. The first one comes our way from Joe Garfine, who asks regarding Caleb being ex-military, what unit was he in? Are there new divisions of armed forces in the future, battling humans, tech, hybrids of both? What kind of missions was Caleb on? Why and how is he no longer a soldier? End of question. And I had the same question watching the episode. My first instinct was maybe Caleb was one of the soldiers sent to Westworld to dismantle the host revolution. He's in plain clothes when we're seeing him in military flashbacks. It's similar to the attire worn by security forces seen in season two. It would connect him even deeper to Dolores. But the fact that he doesn't seem to recognize Dolores strikes me as a big mark against that theory. Even if he hadn't crossed paths with Dolores before, he would have had to have her on his radar by this point in the story, given the role she played in that massacre. So my hope is that we find out about Caleb's backstory in a standalone episode at the very least. The very best episode of Westworld was Kicksuya, in my opinion, and that was the one that was focused on Zan McClurn and Zakechida and the other members of Ghost Nation back in Season 2. I'd love to see a similar deep dive in Season 3, whether it's into Caleb's past or somebody else's. But sadly, season three is two episodes shorter than its predecessors, clocking in at only eight installments. It's very likely there isn't enough time on the clock to do a standalone, but my fingers are crossed. Here's another question coming our way from Kurt Clark. He asks, if Charlotte was killed by robot Charlotte with Dolores's brain, and now Charlotte is quote unquote alive in the real world and Dolores is back in her own body, Who is the person running around right now as Charlotte? That's Kurt's question. And for me, I think that that's a great question. In fact, it's an essential question. It's the one on my mind that Westworld Season 3 absolutely had to answer above all others. I do think that one of the things I'm enjoying the most about the first few episodes that I've seen is that the mysteries seem to be mostly character-based, at least the most interesting ones. And the question of who is occupying Charlotte's body, not to mention the robot version of Tommy Flanagan's Connell's character— It's very much front of mind. I have to keep my lips sealed on that front, but I will say this, answers are coming, and they're big. Finally, one more question. This is again from Kurt, who asks, what do you think the tourist-friendly name is for Nazi World? Well, Kurt, let me tell you, it's not Nazi World. (laughs) Nazi World is very much not called Nazi World, uh, and it's, of course, the setting where we find Tandy Newton's Maeve at the end of the season premiere. Here's some good news to Kurt and everybody else. You're not going to have to wait too long to find out more information about that deadly new world. If you want to submit feedback for next week's episode, again, the rules are simple. Write into series regular at THR.com or shout my way on Twitter at Round Howard. We'll be back next week with our recap of Season 3, Episode 2, The Winter Line, directed by Richard J. Lewis and written by Matthew Pitts and Lisa Joy. Subscribe to Series Regular on your podcast app of choice. And in the meantime, head over to THR.com slash Westworld for all of our ongoing coverage of the new season, including interviews with Jonah Nolan, Lisa Joy, Aaron Paul, and more. Until next time, may you rest in a deep and dreamless slumber.